Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. Few things are more refreshing on a hot day than a cold glass of water. It's a, it's a pretty amazing uh, liquid if you stop and think about it. It's transparent, it's odorless, it's tasteless. It has absolutely no nutritional value whatsoever. And we can't live without it. We need food and water in order to live. Depending on your health, you can go anywhere from uh, 43 to 70 days without eating food. Water, not so much. Uh, if you try to go three days without water, just three days, you're going to start dying. Your organs will start to shut down. Imagine facing 40 years in the desert, wondering where your next meal is going to come from, wondering where your next drink of water is going to be found. And that's exactly where the Israelites found themselves as being brought out of Egypt into the promised land. They were in the desert. They were in the wilderness for 40 years. And God provided for them. He provided the manna from heaven. And he provided water from rocks. So we should not be surprised to know that Israel established a special feast to celebrate God's faithfulness to them while they were in the wilderness. And it was called the, the, the Feast of the Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths. And they celebrated God's amazing provisions for them uh, in that spiritual desert. And it was, a, it was an eight-day festival. It started on the Sabbath and ended on the Sabbath as they celebrated God's faithfulness. Jesus uses it as an opportunity to speak truth into people's lives. If you have your Bible, I would invite you to open it to the seventh chapter of the Gospel of John. Uh, we'll finish up in the seventh chapter next week. Actually, there, there's some interesting a couple of verses in, uh, uh, at the end of John chapter 7 and the first part of chapter 8 that are not in my Bible. Uh, and they're not in some of the oldest manuscripts. Uh, verses uh, uh, 7 through 53, or starting at chapter 7, 53 through 8, 11. Th those verses aren't in some of your Bibles. We'll talk about that next week. Because right now we're still in the seventh chapter, and the seventh chapter takes place during this Feast of the Tabernacles. Now, it was a huge feast, and it was one of the 
required all adult males to return to Jerusalem. So the day was pretty packed. And they would celebrate, they would make these, they would make, it's also called the Feast of Booths. And they would, they would make these little booths, these little lean-tos. And, and, and for, for that period of time, they would sleep uh, in, in, in those booths. Again, just reminder that, a reminder that God had protected them uh, and provided for them when they were in the, in the wilderness. And, and on, the, on the last day, that was the, 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 the last day of the festival was, was really quite a, quite a celebration. The priest, the, the priest would, would, would grab a, a, a golden goblet. Now, I know this is, not, this is not a golden goblet, but use your imagination for, for a minute. So the, the priest would, 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 would grab a, a, a goblet, a, a, a pitcher, and through much pomp and circumstance, you know, they would march out of the gates of the temple, and there would be a procession, and they'd be singing songs and making music, and they would go to the pool of Siloam, and they would dip the pitcher uh, into the pool, and, and, and the, the priest, he had it memorized, I don't, you'll... you'll, you'll You'll forgive me. Uh, no. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the, 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 the priest would, uh, would, would say these words from the, uh, uh, from the book of Isaiah. Listen to this. From the 12th chapter of Isaiah, as the priest is dipping the, the pitcher into the pool of Siloam, he would sing out, I will praise you, O Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away, and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the well of salvation. And so they would dip that pitcher into the, uh, into the pool and they would come back uh, and in the temple on the altar, uh, they would pour out, they would pour out that pitcher into the, into, onto the altar, celebrating God's miraculous uh, provisions for them while they were in the wilderness. He provided bread. He provided water. And it's during this celebration that Jesus comes. And we talked about that last week. Everybody was required, his brothers said, hey, aren't you going to go to Jerusalem? They didn't believe him. The miracles weren't enough. You know, nobody that wants to be a public figure like you, you, you uh, hides here in the back country. Go, go to Jerusalem. And, 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 they, and he says, it's not my time yet. It's not my time. He waits. And then he does come. And when he, and when he comes, and they are blown away by his teaching. Because with an authority that they had never heard from. And, and last week we talked about them challenging his credentials. Where did you go to school? You didn't go to school. Back in the day when the rabbis would teach, you would ask the rabbi a question. And the rabbi oftentimes would respond by asking you a question. And, and then when the rabbi got around to giving you an answer, he would tell you what he learned from his rabbi and what that rabbi had learned from his rabbi and so on and so forth. So there was this whole chain 
of credentialing, of credibility that backed the authority of the rabbi as he taught. Well, Jesus comes along and he says, well, you've heard it said, but I say to you. And, and, and Jesus comes along with an, with an authority and a teaching style they'd never heard before. And, 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 and the religious leaders of the day, they, they don't like that. He, he's not properly schooled. He doesn't have the credentials. How dare you? How dare you challenge me? How dare you challenge the institution? And of course, he challenges it big time. And we looked at this a couple weeks ago in the sixth chapter of John, when he has the audacity to heal someone on the Sabbath. Now, they had already decided that God was exempt. God could work on the Sabbath. But Jesus is pointing out to them their own hypocrisy, the things that they did on the Sabbath. They circumcised a child on the eighth day, even if that fell on the Sabbath, that the law might be broken, even though Moses did not give them that requirement. But they did more than that. If your if you're animal in the well on a Sunday, you didn't leave him there, or on a Saturday, the Sabbath, you didn't leave him there on the Sabbath and wait till the next day to help him out. You did it that day. It was an act of compassion. And, of course, they had ways of skirting around uh, the, the, the Sabbath as well. You know, nod, nod, wink, wink. You know what I mean. I want to see Chuck on the Sabbath. Well, I just make sure to swing by uh, uh, midweek and just happen to leave my cloak at his house. And I wake up on the Sabbath and I think, oh, my gosh, I need my cloak. Well, there, there's a, I can, I, I can uh, walk and get my cloak. And while I'm there, I can visit with him a little bit and then come back. So there were all these little things that they were doing and the hypocrisy in what they are doing and they are upset. They are upset because he is challenging their institution and it's an institution that needed to be challenged. And we see in this, cha in this seventh chapter as, as, as Jesus is teaching during the Feast of Tabernacles, that the division continues to grow between those who really want to know who Jesus is and those who are just shutting him down. And in the seventh chapter, I'm going to back up a little bit, verse 25. At that point, some of the people in, in, in Jerusalem begin asking, isn't, isn't this the man they're trying to kill? And here he is speaking publicly, and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Christ? But, but, but we know where this man is from. When the Christ comes, no one will know where he is from. Then Jesus, teaching, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, Yes, you know me and you know where I am from, but I am not here on my own. But he who sent me is true. You do not know him. But I know him because I am from him and he sent me. As at this, they, they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him because his time had not yet come. Still, many in the crowd put their faith in him. They said, well, when the Christ comes, will he do more miraculous signs than this man? And the Pharisees heard the crowds whispering such things about him. And then the priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. Jesus said, I am with you only for a short time. 
And then I go to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. And the Jews said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? Will he go where our people live scattered among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What did he mean when he said, you will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing his words, some of the people said, surely this man is a prophet. Others said, he is the Christ. Still others asked, how can the Christ come from Galilee? Does not the scripture say that the Christ will come from David's family, from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. And finally, the, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who, had, uh, who asked them, why, why, why didn't you bring him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards declared. You mean he has deceived you also, the Pharisees retorted. Has any one of the rulers of the Pharisees believed him? No. But this mob who knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. Nicodemus who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn anyone without first hearing him to find out what he is doing? And they replied, are you from Galilee too? Look into it and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. Lines are being drawn. And the, and the, and the people are struggling. Because they're hearing stuff that they've never heard before. And, 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 and earlier, when Jesus says, my, my body is the bread of life. You need to eat of my body and drink of my blood. And if you don't, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And of course, they're thinking, what is he talking about? This literally makes no sense. He was speaking spiritually. You'll remember when he was tempted, when he was in the wilderness for 40 days to turn the, the rocks into bread, he said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And you remember when he was at the well outside of Samari the Samaritan village and, the, and the, the Samaritan woman came to him and he says, hey, can you give me a drink? Why are you a Jew asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink of water? If you knew who it was who was asking you for a drink, you would ask, and he would give you living water, and you would never thirst again. And now in the middle of this feast, in the middle of the last day, this big ceremony, 
where the, all this pomp and circumstance is going with the golden pitcher and we're going to draw the water and we're going to celebrate that the waters of salvation are ours. At that moment, Jesus stands up and in a loud voice says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Now, I had this little idea that I, that I quickly uh, dismissed. But it, it, I, I was thinking that in the middle of my sermon, right as I got to this point, to, to have somebody walk in and, and in a really loud voice uh, 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 shout out, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. And, and what would you have done? Well, to, in today's world, if somebody had done something like that, you'd probably panic. Uh, uh, and we talked about it yesterday morning at the Bagel Boys, and, and somebody said, yeah, and in our congregation, I can think of at least three, if not four people that would probably rush him. Uh, yeah, Chuck being one of them. Dan being... <laughs> Dan being another. <laughs> and, uh, and so I thought, okay, well, that's, that's, that, let's not do that. Let's not do that. I did have somebody stand up in the middle of a sermon one time and shout out something. He stood up and he shouted. I was talking about a Monty Python skit and the, and the, and the, the uh, Inquisition. And the guy says, well, uh, I wasn't expecting a kind of Inquisition. John Campbell shot up. He was sitting right where you are, Andy. He shot up and he goes, no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> and I kid you not, half the congregation applauded and the other half has looked at, what in the world is going on? <laughs> but if I had had somebody come in and do that, everybody would have turned and looked at him. I would have taken the attention off of me. So I decided not to do that. That... <clears throat> what happened on that last and greatest day of the feast. And the priest is going through all the fall to all and celebrating the water and Jesus stands up and in a loud voice he says, hey, if you're really thirsty, come to me. And I'm wondering what the people were thinking. We have this great festival that talks about how God provided for us in the day of our need. I've got several verses that... Uh, that I wanted to share with you in, in, in numbers. Gather the people together and I will give them water. Then Israel sang this song, spring up, O well, sing about it, about the well the, the, the princes dug. Or from Isaiah, the passage that I already read for you. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He's become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. The book of Jeremiah. Glorious, a glorious throne exalted from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. The Lord the hope of Israel, all who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away from you will be written in the dust because they have forsaken the Lord, the spring of living water. 
book of Zechariah. On that day, living water will flow out of Jerusalem, half to the eastern sea, half to the western sea, in the summer <coughs> and in the winter. The Lord will be king over the whole earth, and on that day there will be one Lord, and his name will be the only name. And then, of course, how can you not think about Isaiah 55? Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the water. You who have no money, come by and eat. All these images of water in the midst of a celebration that commemorates God providing for them when they were in need. And what they were missing was the reality that they were still in a place of need. That they were in a spiritual wilderness. Their festivals commemorated God taking care of their physical needs. Ceremonies that focused on the ceremonies themselves rather than the Lord that they were celebrating. Even the law given that we might thrive becomes a thing in and of itself where we're so focused on the, on the law that we neglect the lawgiver who, yes, wants us to live within that ethic outlined in the Word with a punctuation of grace, of mercy and forgiveness. And the people are listening to this. And they're experiencing some cognitive dissonance because their leaders are saying, no, no, no. And their hearts are going, why, why? We're, we're, we're hearing something here that we've never heard before. And the leadership threatened the people. If you dare listen to what this man is saying, you will not be welcome to come back to the temple next week. You will not be welcome in the synagogues. We will mark you, and you will be outcasts. It was the original cancel culture. That's what they were doing. If you dare to think that Jesus is the Messiah, we will kick you out of the society. Cognitive dissonance. What, what is going on here? And they're struggling. The reality was, as they're celebrating God's physical provision in the wilderness, they failed to recognize that they were in a spiritual wilderness at that very moment and that God still wanted to provide for them and did so through Jesus Christ and continues to do so to this very day.
I would submit to you that currently we find ourselves in a spiritual wilderness. And interesting how the culture wants to cancel anyone who doesn't subscribe to the, to the modern orthodoxy. Hmm. You know, early on it was said, it was said, oh, you know, you, 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 you Christians, you believe on, in faith. We believe in science. Follow the science. Our hope, our salvation is in the science. But the science was hijacked by scientism. And facts become irrelevant. And that's where we find ourselves today. It's like, who do you believe? What do you, you know, there's this cognitive dissonance going on. We're looking for leadership. And there's none. I don't even get why anybody in their right mind would run for a political office today. I don't care what side you're on. Because the other side is going to come after you. And nothing is off limits. Not your family. Not your home. You can't even go out to eat in a public place without being accosted. We need leadership. But there's none to be found. And we, the people, are finding ourselves in a cognitive dissonance. But it almost seems like both sides are trying to cancel out Christianity. Oh, you can believe what you want to. Because the Constitution provides freedom of worship. Thank you. But that's the language that they use. Listen to them. You, under the Constitution, they'll tell you that you have the freedom to worship. Under the Constitution, you have freedom of religion. And, a, and a, a religion is something that we live and practice every single day. And yes, yes, your relationship with Jesus is something very, very personal. But it is not private. It was never intended to be private. It was intended to be transforming. But how do we transform? We, su we survive and we thrive spiritually on spiritual nourishment. Can't go three days without water. What makes us think that we can go days without drinking spiritual water? What makes us think that we can live without spiritual food? As I said to the kids, I hope you all got it. We're talking about prayer. And seven days without prayer makes one week. Think about it. We need to feed ourselves. And an hour on Sunday morning isn't going to cut it. We need to be in the Word daily. We need to be reading and, and listening to the teachings of Jesus that we might get to know Jesus and not just know about Jesus. And that comes through prayer. It comes through reading the Word, not just devotionally, but to study it as well. A few months back, I sent out in my Word on Wednesday a, a, a three-step simple Bible study. 
Uh, I'll send it out again this week. If you don't, if you do not receive my, my Wednesday, Word on Wednesday email, give me your email address today. You'll get it this next Wednesday. We need to be engaged. But what is happening today is the same thing that happened 3,000 years ago. The people were afraid to speak out on behalf of Jesus for fear that they would be excommunicated from the synagogues and the temple. They were engaging in self-censorship. And isn't that what they want us to do today? They want us to self-censor, to cancel, so that we have no impact, no voice in the public square. And we have every right to have a voice in the public square. But we cannot go in there if we are spiritually malnutritious, malnourished, because they will chew us up and spit us out. This is a time where we need to understand our culture and we need to commit ourselves to engaging in meaningful Bible study, meaningful conversation with one another, that spiritually we might be strengthened for the battle of the day and not self-censor and not worry about a cancel culture. The world sees power as a limited commodity. And there was that list of things that I shared with you a few months ago, things we learned from history, one of which is that freedom is not a universal value. Power is. And when the world thinks power, they think a limited commodity. But when we think power from God, we think an unlimited commodity because the power of God enables us to empower others. And there is no end to that power. And you're thinking to yourself, well, pastor, how do I get that power? Ah, when the Holy Spirit comes. John tells us that when Jesus is speaking, the Spirit had not yet come. Guess what? The Spirit's come. Came on Pentecost. And has been indwelling believers ever since. But if there's going to be a, a, a work of spiritual power in our lives, we've got to give the Holy Spirit something to work with. The Holy Spirit cannot work with a malnourished spirit. So we need to feed that spirit through prayer, through Bible study. And the Holy Spirit takes that and transforms our lives, creating us to be beacons of hope in a world that is desperately looking for something to believe in, something tangible, and we have it. Oh, chapter 7 is this huge divide. There's little room to sit on the fence. You're either for him or against him. And, and if you're for him, then be for him. And stand boldly in your faith. Allowing the Holy Spirit to use you as that vessel to bring hope into many hopeless situations. Oh, this is our time, people. God knew we would go through what we are going through. Do we understand our times? 
Are we spiritually nourishing ourselves that we might be ready for the battle of the day? I hope so. Because that's the only way that we're going to find ourselves living daily in the kingdom of God. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. It's thirsty work. (laughs) Imagine trying to live without water for three days. Imagine trying to live without food for 40 days. It's not good. Imagine trying to live and walk in a spiritual relationship with Jesus. We're only spending an hour a week with him. It's not enough. It's not enough to sustain you. We have a church nationwide that is spiritually dehydrated and malnourished when the streams of living water are right in front of us, when the bread of life is there for the taking. Please, I beg of you, eat and drink daily. Invite the Holy Spirit to continue what he began, transforming you into the image of Jesus. Together we'll be that beacon of hope as we live day by day in the kingdom of God.